So after 30 years of doing this, 30 plus years of doing this, I have had the chance to talk to a lot of people, including Christians, both Christians, non-Christians. I've talked to a lot of people about the Christian faith, uh, about, about what it means to be a Christian, about why, you know, why we have to have Christ. And um, everybody kind of, you know, who's a Christian, you guys know, how many of y'all believe you got to have Christ? You believe you got to have Christ. But most people don't really understand why we need to have Christ. And so what Paul's addressing through Adam in this that we'll be looking at the, in the book of Romans, it can change your life if you get this because it'll really help you understand what your true purpose is on this planet. Your true purpose isn't to just have some kind of financial success, to have some kind of, of material success, to have some sort of career success, to have some athletic success. Or, or you know, Success on this planet is doing and being who God has called us to be. And we are witnesses. We are, man, if you could just imagine everybody in this planet having a head on fire, <laughs> literally a head on fire, and you walking around with a bucket, your job is to drench every fire-headed person that there is, to throw that on there. And that's uncomfortable, and that's why we've got it backwards. Let me explain. So this revival in Romans, if we can get it frontwards, not backwards, I think we will see why God left us here when he saved us. And in addition to that, I think we will see what our true purpose is. You know, as Rogers got the Beanmobile, it's not to sell Cuban sandwiches, even though they're great. It's, it's to share the gospel. You know, as everybody's doing whatever they're doing in life, he's putting you with people whose heads are on fire and they need a bucket of water dumped on it because this is eternity. You know, let me share this. This is an old illustration here. If you could imagine that all of this line right here that I have, this, this paracord line, this is eternity, y'all. You see this? Man, let me just keep going. I don't even know how many feet. But if you could imagine that this is eternity. Each one of these, let's just say each little inch is, is, a, is 10 years or 100 years. Man, so this is eternity in all of this. And, and hang on, I'm trying to get through eternity here. <laughs> let's, uh, without knotting all this up, because I really would like to take this home again and uh, not have to get all these knots out of here. But the point is, man, look at this. Can you imagine if each inch, Bob, was 100 years? It still wouldn't be equivalent to eternity in all of this. So all of this is eternity. And this little piece right here, check this out. This little piece that I'm tying a knot in, this knot, this knot right here, what's above this knot is your life. If you lived 100 years on this planet, this is your life. And this is it. And the Satan is God, has created a world system that feeds our flesh that causes us to focus on this. It's all about this. It's what I do with this. It's what I get to do with this. And, and when in reality, there is an, a whole eternity back here. I hope this puts us in some sort of a perspective. So let me ask you a question. What's bigger, your life or eternity? What, what about, and, and, and so we know as believers, you have to have Christ. You got to have Jesus. All right. So I got Jesus. All right. Why do you need Jesus? And again, I want to present to you the fact that I think through talking with people for over 30 years, there's very few that get it. In fact, I'm looking in here and there's very few of you that get it. And I'm looking at you, there's a few of you, and I know which ones you are. 
I, I, I know which ones you are. I, I don't even ask you to raise your hand to see if you get it or not. But, but the fact is, there, there's some that do get this. And here's the thing. We've got it backwards. Here's what backwards is. Somehow, just so we can focus on this right here. So we have to get it backwards to focus on this. To make it all about this. We have to, fo- we have to get it backwards. And here's the way even believers who have Christ get it backwards. We somehow think in our mind, we even know if we read the Bible and it contradicts it, we don't, ah, la, 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 I'm not going to pay attention to that. We, we, we mess it up so we, if we can get it backwards, then we're okay with our life and our life being our priority and not eternity being the priority. We're okay with that. But we got to get it backwards to do that. And here's how backwards works. Backwards is where you think you come into this world innocent. We, we have some idea, oh, this little baby. How many of y'all ever like got, went to go visit somebody who had a little baby? Terry, you like holding little babies, right? You know, man, you love holding little baby. Somebody hands you a brand new little baby. You're like, oh, what a wretched sinner this little mess is. Is that what you're thinking? No, dude, let me just smell innocence. Oh, life, you know? And, and, and let me hold, we think it's innocent. Oh my goodness, they're innocent. They're pure. They're, they're, nothing has touched it. Nothing has messed it up. But what happens to those kids now that you have teenage? Oh my goodness, what happens to them? Sooner or later, man, they start growing. So Sean and Savannah, y'all got them like boom, 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 boom. Y'all can write a book. And, and I'm just saying, your, your oldest one's getting ready, getting ready to be what? Adult, right? You're, you're getting ready to be an adult. How old are you now? Yeah, yeah. So, man, you're almost an adult. Dude, I'm telling you, move out and go do everything now that you know everything. You know? Well, do it before you realize you don't, all right? <laughs> But isn't that what happens? You got them just like this. And so, so we think that what happens is we come into this world innocent and pure. And oh, it's so beautiful. And, and, and then what happens? They get corrupted. How many of y'all would agree that kids get corrupted? You were a kid. How many of y'all know you're corrupted? That's what, oh, oh, this dirty world. As we go into this dirty world and they're, and they're taught bad things. Well, for who's the first teacher they got? If you're a parent, take your thumbs and say, me. <laughs> yeah. So, and then this world's corrupted. Whether it's daycare, homeschool, whatever. It's like this world's dirty. And slowly but surely, we start getting corrupted. And, 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 and maybe you have a pristine family. Maybe you think you have a pristine family. Let me put it that way. Maybe, maybe you think that, oh, we've got our family isolated. And, and, we, and you do. You need a guard against this world and all of that. But the fact, the fact is there's still corruption that comes in. And so with this idea that we come in innocent and we get worse and worse and worse and worse. You guys know that those of us who have been addicted to things, those of us that have been thrown into jail, those of us that have messed up according to society, how many of y'all agree we need to be saved? Oh, heck yeah, man, let's go into jail. All you messed up people, man, I know there's a bunch of us in there. He says, I say us. We're in there. Oh, you needed to be saved. But wait a minute. But man, I've talked to so many people in church before that have even told me, oh, I went to church in utero. How many of y'all went to church in utero? If you don't know what that means, how many of y'all went to church in your mom's womb? <laughs> yeah, 
And they're like, oh, I was sanctified in utero. I'm like, awesome. You still came out a sinner. We're going to see. But our idea of getting it backwards is, man, you went to church. I've been in church my whole life. I've been protected. I've, I've, I've only done little wrong things. I didn't do the big ones like you and Eric, right? I'm just picking on you, Eric. I pick on Chuck, too. I've got all of us. Yeah, I didn't do those. Woo! You know, I don't have a testimony like you guys. My life's been pretty mundane, pretty, pretty, pretty simple. And, you know, I've been saved my whole life. You know how many times I've heard that from people? Look, people who, who, who haven't had the background I've had in the situation like some of us have had. Oh, I've been saved my whole life. I've always been good. Or what ends up happening is compared to the rest of the world, whew, uh, you know what? I'm up here on this pedestal. Everybody else in this world, oh my goodness, I know that there's people way worse than me in this world. Most people are worse than me in this world. Have me all raise your hand and say most people are worse than you in this world. Oh, please don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. But how many of y'all thought it? Don't raise your hand again. I'm just, because I know you have. I know you have. That's human nature. If we can compete against each other, if we can, if we can somehow see that the majority of the world is way worse than us, and I'm okay. I have Christ. All right, I'm going to do things God's way. And so, you know what? That's all I need to do. I've been pure since the beginning, and I haven't got too tarnished in the world. I haven't got too tarnished. Unlike you, you've been way tarnished, man. You, 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 needed, you need special tarnish remover to get it off of you. You need Christ's blood. Amen. Give it to them. But me, I'm okay. I haven't done that much. And I go to church. And read the Bible, and I go to Bible studies. But you don't understand. We get it backwards, and we get bad theology, thinking that we came into this world innocent, that we came into this world clean. And then the world gets us dirty. And from that point on, it's almost a competition of who can get dirtier or who can stay cleaner. And even in the church, that's how we rank ourselves. And I know because I'm a pastor, and I talk to you guys. And I've talked to tons of congregations over the past 30 years. But that's our humanism. If I can feel better than that. But the fact is, is you did not come into this world. You didn't come in. You, you, you came into this world condemned. The most holy, pristine one of you. When that, Terry, when you're holding that little baby. Dude, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Oh, it smells good. It's innocent. Oh, to be innocent again. That baby's not innocent. How many of y'all ever had a baby? Oh, you got a baby right now. Is that baby innocent? No, it's not innocent. It's full of selfish sin. Even though that's a, 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 a way of survival, it's a selfish sinner. And we're going to see this in, in, through Adam. And the, the, that's what's happening in this. Nobody comes in pristine. That baby is not innocent. The only one who ever came into this world, besides Christ who was innocent, was Adam. Adam came in innocent. He didn't come in perfect, which Christ did. Adam came in innocent, but he blew it. 
And because he blew it, it was all passed on to us. And none of us will ever come in innocent. And some of the people who think they are the cleanest in God's eyes that I have seen, and I'm not judging. There's no problem when I go to the jail. No problem when somebody gets busted. No problem when somebody's messed up. When somebody sees their world caving in. Oh, I'm a mess. I need God to save me. And that's that humbleness that it takes to know that God needs to save you. But for the people that think their poop doesn't stink. There, I said it in church. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? The people who are, who are like, oh, I'm not. You know what? Your sin is nastier than the one that's admitting it. Because your sin is pride. And God hates pride. And it's the root of all sin. To think that you're better than you are. I'm going to tell you something. How many of y'all have ever gotten so close to God? And as you get closer to God, you see yourself worse and worse and worse. Is that not what happens? As you start getting closer to God, you start seeing yourself in the light of a holy, righteous, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And you realize he loves you. And it's like, how could you love me? I wouldn't love somebody like me. And he says, I love you. And when you truly grasp that, you love him back because you can't believe it. But the prideful person, like the Pharisees, that's why they didn't get saved. He said, you're like whitewashed sepulchers, man. You're a grave. On the outside, you've got it all spick and span, whitewashed. It looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, it's dead and it's rotten. If somebody opened it up, it stunk. I'm going to get I'm going to tell you, that's how we come into the world like a sepulcher. And, and, and it's not about the outside dirt that gets on us. It's about the inside dirt that we're born with. Realizing, man, I can't live with this. I need change. And so we get it backwards. And if we could ever get it forwards, our life wouldn't be about us. It would be about others. Because how many of y'all know that you know that you know because of what Christ did on the cross? You're saved and you're going to heaven. How many of you are positive? Let me see your hand. You're taken care of. It doesn't matter all the other junk going on in your life right now. God's brought all of that in your life to bring you to a point where you can now help other people who don't know that in the circles in which he's brought you, he's put you. So you came into this world condemned and dirty, needing to be cleaned by Christ. He's the only one. Check this out. John 3.16. Y'all know how many y'all know John 3.16, right? All right. So check John 3.16. and we're going to look at 17, 18, because most people go to 316 and they stop. So here we go. God so loved. What do you love? The world. Oh, except for uh, the pious ones over here, except for the ones that have this little self-righteous purity that I'm not as dirty as somebody else is. And that's you're comparing. So that, that's what you're comparing yourself to. Quit comparing yourself to other sheep and compare yourself to the shepherd, because that's what he's comparing you to. When you come into this world before you're saved, man, you got to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Who comes into the world with that? Nobody. Nobody does. You come in dirty, filthy. But yet, who are, how many of y'all like to April? Do you really want to like, man, I'm a dirty, filthy, nasty human being. Do you want to look in the mirror? Is that what positive training is in the world right now? I'm a dirty, filthy, nasty human being. No, I'm the best. I'm the, I can do it. I'm the, you know, that wasn't Deion Sanders' pep talk before they got wiped out yesterday. You know, you're a dirty, filthy, no. We want to pump ourselves up. 
Even if we know it's the truth, we don't want to hear it. But if you don't know you're wounded, if you don't know you have a disease, you don't want the cure. You find some other cure, and all the other cures aside from Christ are junk. They do not work. I've never seen them work. You fix you, and you can fix you through Christ. That's the answer to it all. How many think your life would be solved? Barley, would there, your life be better if you could fix someone else? How about your mom when she doesn't do what you want her to do? Wouldn't it be great to be able to fix her so she'd do what you want her to do? You know, right? Hey, Izzy, you ever want to fix your mom? No? Oh, you're just saying that because she's sitting next to you. That's why. Give it a few years. You but, but again, you fix you. You and your relationship with Christ, that's what's got to be fixed. God so loved the entire world, that's every single person in it, that he gave his only son because that's the only thing that was going to fix the world. That whoever, you guys are all whoever's, believes in him. Now, that word again, believe, you've seen me stand on the chair many times. It's equivalent to Bob, to Ann, to every one of you. Pickleball Ralph, man, are you believing in that chair? With everything you have, all your weight and faith and trust is in that chair. That's what he's talking about when you believe in Christ. Not believing, saying, oh, I believe and never sitting down. Or, or wondering, what it's putting all your faith and trust and knowing that if that chair ever let you down, you're on the ground. That's what it means to believe in Christ. Whoever believes in him should not perish. That means die or spoil. You will never die or spoil, but you will have what? Eternal life. <coughs> awesome. Let's all get rainbow wigs, stand in the end zone, and have signs, right? Remember when they used to have that all the time, Terry? You used to always have those signs and people there. It's a great verse, but it means so much more when you see the next two verses after this. Because what it makes it sound like is, oh, hey, hey, how many of y'all have ever really messed up bad? Anybody here want to? Okay, you messed up people, right? You, you all messed up, folks. You know what? You better be watching that guy in the end zone with the rainbow wig and the sign. Rest of us, hey, we're okay. We got it. We're okay. You guys need him. You need that verse. You need it. But watch this, man. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for God. Look at this. Watch verse next. The very next verse. Watch what it says. God didn't send his son into the world, condemn the world. You know what? When I first heard about Christ as being my salvation, I was kind of thinking, it was like, you know, when I got saved in 1980, I was thinking, what a cruel thing. Because I had that backwards theology that came in pure and I got myself dirty. And the only one who could clean me up is Christ. I came in pure, I got dirty, and the only one who could clean me up is Christ. So I need to give my life to Christ so he could clean me up and make me acceptable. And that's how we even erroneously share the gospel sometimes. And that's why people who don't think they're that dirty don't think they need the gospel. When I'm telling you, everybody in the world needs the gospel is what it says. Look at this. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. I was thinking, God, what's this, a cool, a cruel trick? Okay, I got allegiance to Buddha. I got allegiance to Allah. I got allegiance. Man, why do I have to have Christ? And isn't that what the world says? The world's like, oh, it's all the same God. No, it's not. Anything other than Christ is Satan. It's Satan. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So if the world needed to be saved through him, what was the world? Lost. The world's lost. 
The world was already lost. The world came in. You're lost because you belong to Adam. You can be saved because you belong to Christ. you got to change families. Everybody comes to this world in the family of Adam, and that's what we're going to see in Romans here. But he said, so, man, God didn't send the son to, okay, here I am, here I'm Jesus. Marley, believe in me? Well, I don't know. Oh, you're going to hell. Hey, Abby, you believe in me? Oh, yeah, okay, you're going to heaven. Uh, you, you believe in me? No. Well, you're going to hell with Marley. So, you know, that, I kind of even viewed it that at first until I learned theology. Theology is what the Word of God says about salvation. It's not like that at all. Guess what? This whole front row. They were going to hell the moment they came into this world. You earned a death penalty. Can you imagine being on death row? Can you imagine being on death row in a prison? What are you waiting for? Death. You're waiting for them to call your number, hook you up to old Sparky, and, and, pull, the, and, and, and pull the switch, and you're gone. It's just a matter of time. That's how everybody comes into this world. But now, can you imagine if somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm going to pardon you. Who would be the only ones to not take a pardon on death row? If you really knew that you were on death row, you, they, all those matter of time, Marty, come on up. Old Sparky, you and him. Uh, if you really believe that, would you take the pardon? You, you, if someone said, hey, I'm going to take it for you, Barley. You don't have to die by Old Sparky. I'm going to take it for you. Would you let them do it? Would you, would you, who's the only one who wouldn't accept that? Someone who didn't think they needed it. That's why Satan has worked so hard on bad theology, helping everybody think that we're all innocent. We're just getting dirty as we go through the world. And once you cross that line, oh, buddy, you need God because you can't clean yourself up. No, hope to here, we can sort of clean ourselves up. Have you ever gotten dirty and cleaned yourself up? I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do what? Uh, it doesn't work that way. You came in with a death penalty. You came in on death row, and it was just a matter of time. And I'm going to show you this through Adam, because there's good news. You can change families. If you earn a death penalty through Adam, and you are all in his family, how many of y'all like to change families? Anybody? Absolutely. That's what it's about. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, meaning the world needs to be saved through him. Look at the next verse. Whoever believes in him, how many of y'all believe in him? You, you faith and trust in him. Nick, you are not condemned. <laughs> and that's eternal. You are not condemned. We've already learned about the justification through faith. But whoever does not believe in him, I don't need this. You know what? I, even religious people, those people need Christ. I need Christ. But in my own strength, I can, you know what? I can clean myself up. I'm righteous. I'm whatever. He said, whoever does not put all their faith and trust in him is condemned already. If you're condemned already, that means you're condemned from birth. You're condemned the moment you come in here. You say, well, I don't see all that. You will when you get into Romans. I guarantee you. He said, because he has not believed in the name of the Holy Son of God. So you say, what about the Old Testament people? You know what? The Old Testament people who were there who said, man, God, I can't do what you want me to do. God, I need help. God, I failed, God, but I love you and I want to do it your way. God gave them grace. They looked forward. He said, I'm going to send a Messiah one day. Where did he say that? Well, he said that when he sentenced Satan um, as, as a serpent to go on the, the ground. He said, Eve, you're going to have an offspring that's going to crush Satan's head. And Satan's going to bruise his heel. That's Christ. 
when later he replaced their fig leaf bikinis with, with an animal that he freshly killed and put it on. That was a picture of Christ. Anywhere you cut the Bible, it bleeds. And in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to a Savior that God would one day send. In the New Testament, we look back by grace to see that he already did send a Savior. But everybody was looking through grace for a Savior. And anybody not looking for a Savior to save them died and went to hell. And they will continue to do that. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever doesn't believe is condemned. What? What's the next word? Already. What does already mean? Andy, you're a smart guy. What does already mean? Yeah, it's already happened. Whether you sin or not, you come into the world. There you are condemned you're not coming in innocent and clean and pure and the world has corrupted you that's not what happened you came in corrupted and the world gave us a the satan gave us a world system that feeds our corrupted flesh so you must be born again we're gonna see he said because he's not believed in the name of the only son of god so what i want to show you as we get into romans is this the bad news is you came in corrupted. You came in guilty. You came in with a death penalty. You came in that way because of Adam. But you don't have to stay that way. Don't miss this. You don't have to stay that way. You can change families by being born again. And when you come in Christ's family, what he did takes away everything Adam did and now you are covered by him, and you're in his family, and you have eternal life and righteousness. Adam's family gave you death and sin. God's family gives you righteousness and gives you eternal life. That's what it means to be born again. Why do you think the world wants to make fun of that term? Why do you think you get confused by that term? Because it's the most important term you got to understand. You must be born again. To get into God's family, to get out of Adam's family. That's what's got to happen. So you were born into this world. We're going to start with the very beginning, first couple of verses in Romans 5, 12, 13, 14. It says, you were born into this world with a death sentence because you are related to Adam. All right. Hey, Bob, what's your heritage, man? What, 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 what nationality were your parents? We well, don't even really know. Irish? Irish? And, and, and is, you, you said you went back and there was only a little bit of Jewish, right? Yeah, 1% Jewish, even though your name's Weinberg, right? I don't know. But Irish, right? Any other Irish people here? Any other Irish people? Oh, yeah, we got some Irish people here, all right? So any English people that hate Irish people? No, I'm just joking. We got, all right, what else do we got? We got any Polacks in here, man? I'm a Polak. Oh, yeah, you, you know what? Yeah, I knew it. I knew there were some. Yeah, you're Polak, just like me. Dude, raised on cabbage and galunkies and, and pierogi and, and kielbasa. Yeah, man, they did it right, right? We're Polacks. That's why they made fun of us, because they couldn't just, you know, anyways. It's a whole other story. Well, what are you at, Terry? You're what? A mutt. How many of y'all are mutts? All right? Okay, good, good. We're mutts. We go back, man. But, but check this out. We keep going back, and we keep going back, and we keep going back, and we keep going back. Who are we all related to? Adam. We are all, in this world, we're brothers and sisters in Adam. <clears throat> and so our nationality, we have many nationalities, many races, but there's really only one. It's Adam. 
Now in Ephesians, he told us there's a whole new race you can become a part of, which is Christ. So in the world, I'm going to blow everybody's mind on this. Go, go tell people in the world, there's only two races. It's the race of Adam. You're either an Adamite or you're a Christian, period. One of those two. But if the world can divide us into a whole bunch of other ones, they get us confused and we miss this and we get it backwards and backwards as we're, we come into this world innocent and pure and we get dirty. Oh, kids, please don't get dirty in this world. Too late, you already are. You came in dirty. They came in dirty through you because you came in dirty through Adam. They need to be born again. And so we keep them clean, keep them clean. And then they go off the deep end. And, and they're in the epitome of dirt. Oh, you need Christ. And we get this performance-oriented theology when in reality we all come in a mess under Adam. We all come in as Adamites. You know how? Here's what he's going to show us. He said, we're born into this world with a death sentence because you are related to Adam. How many of y'all are counting on dying someday? How many of y'all think you're not going to die? If the rapture's tomorrow, that would be really good. Salma, are you going to die? Yeah, we don't like to think about that, do we? If we're believers and we're in the word of God, it's like, dude, to be absent from the body is present with who? Dude, can you imagine being with Christ in perfection and you being perfect? It's pretty awesome. That's, what, that's the perspective we're supposed to be looking. I think we can be more valuable in this society if we understand that. Hey, that precious little baby right there came into the world. Is that baby going to die? Baby's going to die. You know what? It's that death. Every human's going to die. You remember what God told Adam? In the day that you eat, uh, you can have everything you want in the garden. We went over this two weeks ago. We went through one, chapters one or two, three in, 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 in Genesis. He said in that you can eat anything you want except off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in the day that you eat it, you will surely what? Die. That's the consequence. You're going to die. You know you're related to Adam because you're going to die. That's how you know, and that's what he's getting ready to tell us in here. You, it, so check this out. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, he just got done talking about justification by faith, whereas if now you're born again and you, you trust what Christ did on the cross, and by faith you believe that that's what saves you, man, you're saved because now you're a Christian. Now you're in Christ. And he took away. He was going to tell what happened with Adam. So therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. So who was the one man that brought sin into the world? Adam. Was he the first one to ever sin? No. Satan sinned. He didn't invent sin, but he's the one who brought it into the world. God said, man, you can do anything you want. He came in innocent. You can do anything you want except eat off this. He had a direct command from God. I believe without Satan coming as a serpent, he would have still been innocent. He would have just kept going. I mean, that's just a thought. But Satan came in and tempted his wife. His wife fell for it. His wife tempted him, and he blew off God's word, and he now became a sinner. And he now was not immortal, which was God's first plan. He now had a death sentence, and he was going to die. God could have taken him out immediately. Hey, let me ask you a question on that. What would happen if God took, it took Adam out uh, immediately? JJ, what would happen if God took him out immediately? You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. None of us would have. God could have taken him out immediately, and none of us would be here. And we'll go into that a little bit further, why that's an advantage. How many of y'all think it's an advantage that you're here? <laughs> because if you were never born and you were annihilated, there you go, there's your Jehovah Witness stuff, right? You know? 
that's it. Oh, you know, you're gone forever. No, no, there's heaven, there's hell. And so if you were never here, you would never, no, you wouldn't have been born into Adam's family as a sinner. But guess what? You would never have had the chance to have a relationship with God Almighty. And you would never have had the chance to live with him in heaven in perfection forever. So how many of y'all are glad that God let Adam live to have some kids so you could be here so one day you can live with God eternally? Anybody glad? Yeah, amen. So God in his wisdom, there's one of your answers to your question you asked me a couple weeks ago, Bob. Yeah, God knew it was all going to happen. But God said, you know what, you have no choice being born into Adam's family. And you have no choice of the consequences but you do have a choice on staying in his family and changing families. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, what came through sin? Look at the next part, death through sin. That's the consequence. If you die or capable of dying, you know you are a sinner. You, you, don't, you don't become a sinner because you sin. Listen to this. You sin because you're a sinner. Hey, dog, what do dogs do? Hey, Katie, what do dogs do? They bark, right? That's one thing. You were thinking of all kinds of things. They bark, right? Everybody knows dogs bark. If you're a dog, what, how are you going to communicate, Terry? Woo! You might even be like my dog going, they have like extended vocal cords, but you're going to bark. If you're a cat, you're going to do what? Meow. If you're a lion, you're going to what? You know? If you're a monkey, what are you going to do? You know? You're a cow, what do you do? right? If you're a sinner, what do you do? You sin. That's the nature of a sinner. You're a sinner because Adam brought sin into the world, so you have no choice but to sin. You're saying, well, that's not very fair. Well, let me throw a couple things at you about not being fair. One, you don't get to make the rules. God does, all right? And God's a just God. So if you hear God out in all of this, it becomes very fair. As I already said, if God would have taken Adam out right at the beginning and wiped him out, you would have never existed and you would have never had the chance to live in heaven with God forever. Aren't you glad he let him live? And by the way, well, I never chose to be represented by Adam. Well, yes, you did. When did you choose to be represented by Adam? Sean, when did you choose to be represented by Adam? When did you say, hey, what... Is with your first sin. Yeah. And every one of you have sinned. So he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world, and the sin is not like an act, okay? It's a nature. When Adam sinned, his whole nature, his, his mentally, physically, emotionally, in all ways now, he changed. He was no longer innocent. And, and, and he's passed that on to us. So here's how he's passed it on to us. Now he has the nature to rebel. That's what the nature is. How many of you all, being honest, Gavin, I'm going to pick on you, man. We've talked about this before. And it's not just you, because there's pious people here who say, oh, that's not me, you know, but I hope not in this congregation. That's other churches, all right? But, but when somebody says, Gavin, you can't do that. What is your nature immediately? How about y'all when someone says, oh, you can't do that. I see the smirks on you sinners' faces. Every one of you guys who are smirking right now, what is your thought when someone says, you can't do that? Oh, watch me, baby. <laughs> watch me. You know that's your nature. That is your nature. That's what changed in Adam. 
prior to that, God said, don't do that. And cool, I'll do all the other stuff you want me to do. And they had innocence. But once he violated that, he had one specific command. And it was to not eat off that tree. And they blew that one simple command. Now there is a new nature. His psyche, his, everything about Adam changed. He now has the same nature that you and I, we just experienced when somebody said, you can't do that. <laughs> Maybe they can't, but I can handle it. <laughs> How many of y'all ever used that one before? <laughs> what a bunch of crock. Cro I'll just say, I'm just saying, baloney, you have a nature inside of you. You got it from Adam. So that's what he's talking about, sin, not like, oh, God didn't tell me to eat off no tree. No, he gave you a whole bunch more commands. We're going to see that in a couple more verses. But the point is, whenever you're told not to do it, uh, the button in the middle of the table, don't touch the button. Don't touch the, Sue, I'm listening to you, man. You might make it 20 hours in 59 minutes of not touching the button, but, <laughs> and then how do you feel after you touch the button? horrible man if you're if you're with christ you're like oh that's why he tells us later in romans he said don't focus on the law don't focus on not touching the button instead of staring at the button and and trying to resist go get busy doing something right and then you're doing something right and you don't even you forget about the button he even tells us if you focus on the law you're gonna fail it's there to make you fail. It's there to show you that you fail, that you need to be in another family, that you need to take advantage of the abundant life you have in the family that you're in. So therefore, just as sin, the nature, the desire to sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, death through sin. Death is the cause. How do you know you're related to Adam? It's not because you're, you sin. It's because you're going to die. Everyone who dies is related to Adam and because death is the consequence of sin. That's what he said in the beginning. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And in this particular verse, when it says all have sinned, you know what that means, Nick? It means that when Adam sinned in the garden, you sinned with him. Isn't that kind of weird? Isn't that kind of like, I don't know, what's one of them scientific terms, uh, you know, quantum physics thing? I don't know. I'm just saying it's kind of weird. But that, that's what happened. When Adam sinned in the garden, every one of us sinned with him. How many of y'all were in the garden? You weren't. <laughs> we weren't in the garden there. We weren't there. How many of y'all tasted that fruit? Man, y'all, oh, no, it was an apple. No, it was a grape. No, it was a mango. No. We don't know. We weren't there. But he says we were there. He imputed that sin onto all of us. And again, you say, well, that's not fair. Well, it's not fair that Christ had to come and live a perfect life and be a substitute for all of us that were sinners. You see, in God's ultimate wisdom, what he did is he pinned all the sin of the world on one guy so that then he could pin all the righteousness of the world on another. And there's two kingdoms. There's one that is in sin, which is by Adam, what we're born into. And there's another one in Christ that is in righteousness and eternal life. And so you come in with Adam earning the death penalty, and you've done it. You've all sinned. You've earned the right to, you chose to be in that also. But you don't have to stay there. You can choose to be in Christ's family. So death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. All sinned with Adam there. 
And you know what we're going to learn later in Romans? We're going to learn that Christ killed Adam on the cross. So Adam's dead. Your old man is dead. And that's going to be revolutionary for, for every one of us if we get that. But here he's just saying, man, you know, you're a sinner. You've earned death. You're going to die. You're condemned from the beginning. Don't let anyone convince you that you're more innocent than anyone else. You're as guilty as anyone because you came in under Adam. But hopefully you're not still there because that's not where he wants to keep you. Look at this. For sin indeed was in the world because some said, well, wait, they didn't have the law yet. So how did they know they were breaking it? He said, well, sin is not counted where there is no law. All right. So in other words, even though they didn't know they were doing it, because you can't break the law if there is no law yet, but they sinned. You know how we knew they sinned? Because they died. In fact, anybody have your Bible handy? Hey, some open your Bible, man, super quick. Genesis chapter 5. Read in, our, read in your, what's the position you have on that boat, man? A coxswain? I was going to say that, but I thought maybe the X was silent or something. I don't know. You know, it's one of them funny words. But Genesis, read in your best coxswain voice, Genesis chapter 5. Uh, no, I'll tell you when to stop. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Dude, I'm just, I don't know. The Holy Spirit just asked me to ask you to open your Bible and read it. I'll let you know what he says next, all right? So, in fact, let me, let me see Genesis 5. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Start with Genesis 5, verse 1. Okay, so, okay. So, in the day that God created man, he made Adam and Eve in the likeness of God. We were made in God's image. Now go. Okay, stop. How, how many genders did he create, for those of you that are confused? <laughs> Two. All right, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> oh, 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 so he was 130-year-old, uh, and he fathered a son in whose likeness? His own likeness because he had already fallen in the garden. So his son was condemned and dirty from the very beginning. His son didn't come in innocent. So he, so he was made in God's image. We're made in God's image. But we're also made in Adam's image, which distorts God's image. And, and, and until you're born again, your Adam's image dominates. Adam's image is the one we need to be rescued from. So that we're made in Adam's image. Go ahead. Whoa, 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 what did he do? After 900 years, what did he do? Okay, he died. Chuck, you got a long way to go, bro. He was nine-something, but actually, I think the ozone now is messed up, and we don't live nearly as long. So he did what? What did he do? He died. God allowed him to father children so you could come from those children. And, 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 and he was alive for 900, but he died. That was not the original plan. That was the consequence of eating in the garden. Now, go ahead, and these are shorter ones. Go ahead. Whoa, 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 whoa. Austin, what did he do? He died. Go go ahead, one more. Keep going, keep going. All right, he died. So you see the pattern? That's the concept. That's how we know we're related to Adam. It's because we die. Go ahead. Uh, 
Oh my goodness. What is the common word here? I'm not going to, I could keep going, but you go read it. They fathered, they lived this life and then they what? They died. That's what he's saying in here. Uh, Sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but it's not counted where there's no law. You're good. You're good. Thank you. You don't have to keep going there. All right. And but sin is not counted where it's not. So if you're not going to die because you sinned, you sin because you're a sinner and because you're a sinner, you're going to die. That's how we know you're related to Adam. How who in here is not going to die? In fact, what is what are the elites in the world trying to do? Ted Williams. Y'all remember anybody remember what happened to Ted Williams? Great baseball player. What did he do with his body? Froze it so that when there's a, le- yeah, a bunch of famous people, they say Disney did it too and stuff. And, and, and again, it might be urban legend. Might be, people, yes, Julia, check it out. How many people froze their bodies so that when there's a, 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 a solution to death, they can be brought back to life and be given that. That's what Gates and all those yahoos are working on now, immortality. Guess what? They don't have to spend billions. They just got to get out of Adam's family and into Christ. Amen. That's the solution. But who is supposed to tell them that's a solution? We are. We are. That's our only purpose. But I don't know because of our own self-esteem. We want to believe we came in totally depraved, a mess, deserving death and hell. I don't think we want to look at ourselves that way. It doesn't help our self-esteem, does it? And so therefore, we don't believe it. And we just believe, okay, as long as I can stay not so tarnished in this world. Okay, I got tarnished. Now I can go back and not be tarnished. You're tarnished as tarnished can be. That's why you need Christ. And once you're saved, you live in that identity. And that keeps you from being more tarnished. But as long as you're trying to polish your tarnished self, you're tarnished. And our whole purpose in life is to live the abundant life and share with others You don't have to stay in Adam. You don't have to die. You can come. You're either an Adamite or you're a Christian. If you're an Adamite, you're going to die. If you're a Christian, you're going to live. Hey, what, Carolee, what happens the moment we leave this body, the moment we have our last breath, what happens? Do we die? Our physical body dies, but we change addresses. That's what happens to us. We change addresses and we're immediately in heaven. How many are like, well, dude, that ain't a bad thing. Why am I going through all these procedures to stay alive, man? Yeah, I'm just saying. The moment you leave here, you change addresses, and you're in the best eternal address there could be because you got out of Adam's family, and you got into Christ. Or if for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin's not counted where there is no law. So again, before the law, yeah, okay, you didn't even know what was sin, whatever, but you were sinning because there was death. Yet death reigned. That's a kingdom. It, death reigned in the kingdom of Adam. It reigned from Adam to Moses. If it means it reigns, that means everybody in that kingdom did what? It begins with D and ends with I. What did they do? They died. That's what it means when sin reigned from Adam to Moses. Every single person died. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression Adam. Nobody could sin like Adam. Adam had one command. And that one command was, don't eat off that tree. Did God give you that command? No. He's given you a bunch of others, and you violate them. So you can't sin like Adam, but the consequence is still the same. He was a type of the one who was to come, a type of Christ. And the only way he's a type of Christ is this, because by one man, sin entered in the world, and death came by sin. 
Christ is the one man that righteousness came into the world and eternal life came in. That's where their similarities start and end right there. So he was a type of the one who was to come. So look at this, man. You come into this world tainted in all of this, but look at the next part. This is the good news that we are left here to share. To receive eternal life and get out of Adam's family, you must be born again so that you can be related to Christ. Who You come into the world related to Adam, Barb. But when God pursued you and pursued you and pursued you, he pursued you to leave that family of Adam and come into whose family? His family. Which family would be, which family do you like better? And I'm not talking even to your church family. I'm just talking about his family. To be in his family, you have eternal life. You have a home in heaven that no one can take from you. You have the power in you to not have to not sin if you choose in all of that. And again, going back to here, people who hang on to this life in Adam, that's all they got right there. They have an eternity, but they have an eternity in a place full of torment and misery that Satan's running. We have all of this eternity here in heaven, and that's not even close. So to receive eternal life, you must be born again so that you can be related to Christ. So check these verses out. But the free gift is not like the trespass. So the trespass, what is a trespass? Anybody ever got busted for trespassing? Hey, yeah, you, you uh, Eric, you probably went fishing somewhere where you weren't supposed to be fishing, weren't you? Yeah, six times? No, <laughs> yeah, that was the charm, six is the charm. Yeah, trespass is when somebody says, don't go past that place. And you say, huh, I don't have to listen to that. And you go do it. And that's what a trespass is. So the trespass was when God said, don't go past this line, Adam. Don't do this, Adam. And Adam said, you know what? I'm going to do it because, oh, man, it looks like it's going to be good. Uh, it's pleasant to the, to the eyes. It's something I think my body needs that I deserve. And it's going to make me wise like God. So that's why God. So he said, I'm going to trespass. So he said, the freak is not like the trespass. The trespass got us, got basically brought death into the world. The free gift is not like that trespass. What's the best thing about the free gift? What do you like better, free or gift? How about both? <laughs> Chuck, if it's free, how much does it cost? Nothing. What do you have to do? Chuck, I want to give you this chair for your birthday, Chuck. This is your birthday chair. I want to give it to you, Chuck. Chuck, here's your birthday chair. You are not moving very quickly towards your birthday chair. Because you don't want it. You don't see the value of it. One day you'll be standing, and you'll be standing, and you'll wish you had this birthday chair. But for right now, you got a seat that's comfortable, and you don't want a birthday chair. But for it to be yours, what would you have to do? Come and get it. Come and get it. And, and, that's the, and, 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 and it's free. What if I told you all you have to do to receive this birthday chair that's going to last forever is clean out all the cheese from under my big toenail? Oh, come on, that would be a good, Jack, that would be a good deal, wouldn't it? But it wouldn't be free. Free means you ain't got to do Jack to get it, it's yours. You just have to come get it. And gift, it's a gift. And check out this, Matthew, you know what the name, the Greek word for this word gift is? It's charisma. And we're going to see it as gift, and we're going to see it in some other words in here too, and I'll bring it up, but it's the word charisma. That's a gift God gives us. So it's not the free charisma is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man trespass, all Adam did was he trespassed. And we got, it got dumped on us. 
Much more, though, have the grace of God. Oh, you know what, hey, Matthew? Gift is charisma. Guess what Greek word grace is? Just take a wild guess. It's the same word, charisma. Grace is the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do. He gives you the desire and the ability to do what he wants you to do. That's what grace is. That's what the gift is. The gift is to be like him. So the free gift, to be like him, it's not like the trespass to be like Adam. Many died through Adam's trespass. Y'all want that gift? Hold, hold up your one-way ticket to hell. Do you want that? No. I want to cash that in, and I want to get this free gift of charisma, this grace, this, this gift. <coughs> Much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the charisma of that one man. And who was the one man that gave us the gift and brought us the freedom? Jesus Christ, and it abounds for many. God so loved the what? But the whole world's not going to be saved. Because just like Chuck, I'm offering him this beautiful birthday chair, and he just refuses to take it. He doesn't think he needs it. So you understand, there, according to Matthew 7, there's a bunch of church people. You read Matthew 7. A bunch of church people are going to be going through the wide gate thinking they, they are born again, thinking they're believers. When Christ said, no, there's a narrow gate. And he said, that's the gate you got to go through. The wide gate brings destruction. And you know how I know that's church people? Because later when he separates them, he goes to them and he says this. He says, man, you know, you're, in the, you're, go, you're going to hell. And he says, and they say, but, but, but what do we got going on here, JJ? Oh, <laughs> we're, we're going, we're, you're going to hell. And, and, and they say, wait, 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 didn't we... Didn't we do mighty miracles in your name? Hey, who's it that's doing mighty miracles in Christ's name that's not really doing it on Christ's behalf? It's church. Do you see the world out there doing many mighty miracles on Christ, in Christ's behalf? No. It's a church that went through the wide gate. We're doing many miracles in your name. He's, and didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we do all these things in your name? And what did Christ say to those people? He said, be gone. It's the saddest verse in the Bible. They all thought they were saved. They all thought that, man, here it is. I come in this world tainted. You know, I come in this world clean. I got tainted by the world. Jesus, I just need you to clean me up a little bit. Oh, Jesus, I need you to. No. They never realized they were lost. They never realized they were depraved. They never realized they were sinking to hell. And like they had to raise their hand up and say, God, help me. Many of them were too proud, not thinking that they had sunk that far. And he said, be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness. But didn't we do this in your name and this in your name and this in your name? Yeah, but be gone from me. You and I never had a what? Relationship. That's how you know you're saved. I'm going to put it plain, simple. If you love Christ, if you love Christ, you have a relationship with him. How do you know if you, do you have a relationship with your wife? Do you love her? <laughs> Does she love you? Well, maybe you might be married. Maybe you don't have a relationship. But if you have a relationship, you love each other. That's what the word of God says. Those who are saved love Christ. Not Christianity, not their pastor. I mean, you love all these different things. But first and foremost, you love Christ. You have an intimate relationship with him. The free gift's not like trespass. If many died through one man's trespass, which is all of us, much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of one man, 
Jesus Christ abounded for how many? The whole world. But if you don't ever accept it by surrendering everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Christ at some point, you never receive it. You don't receive it. And although he did it for you, it's not yours. Chuck, you sure you don't want this chair, man? Come on, man. One day, Chuck. One day. One day. You're, you're 70 years old. 69, right? How old are you right now? 69? You're 69, Chuck. This chair may not be available tomorrow. May not be available next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. And that's a picture. Now, I, know where Chuck, I know where Chuck is spiritually, but that's a picture of a lot of people's spirituality. God offered. He said, look, y'all died in Adam. Every one of you deserve a free trip to hell, and I'm giving it to you if you stay in Adam's family. But if you surrender your life to me, you can come into my family, and I'll give you eternal life. Many died through one man's trespass. Much more, much better has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for everyone. But it only works for those that accept it. And the free gift. What's the word for gift again? Charisma. Gift, grace. It's both charisma. They're interchangeable. The free grace is not like the result of that one man's sin because that one man's sin killed everybody. For the judgment following one trespass, one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So again, you get it? You died in Adam. You have life in Christ. That's what the point is. You must be born again. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, the Pharisee, who memorized the first five books of the Bible, that fasted multiple times a week, that was in church more times than anybody, and his preacher preached longer than Pastor Eddie. I mean, if anybody deserves to go to heaven, that should get you some brownie points, right? No. There are no brownie points. You've got to change families. That's why he just came to him and said, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. That's the solution. You must be born from above to get out of Adam's family and into my family. And if you can believe that's what you've got to do, then you can do it. I will make it possible because anybody who comes to me, I won't reject them. But if you don't have the desire to take the chair, Chuck, that's on you, bro. You're just going to be standing the rest of your life soon. I mean, you can't, you can't stay here. we got to kick you out at 1 o'clock. You're going to have to find a chair somewhere. It's awful presumptuous to think you're going to find a chair somewhere, right? Pie hole somewhere. I don't know. But anyways, I'm just making fun of him here on this. All right. Look at the next part. For if because of one man's trespass. In fact, he goes over the same thought a bunch of times. We'll be down here in a minute. If because of one man's trespass, that's Adam, Death reigned through that one man. Death reigned because everybody died. Sean, who died? Everybody died. Everybody's going to die. That's proof that it reigns. It's proof that what he's saying is true. Much more will those who receive. What's the word? What do you have to do to the gift? Hey, Austin, what do you got to do if the gift's offered to you? Receive it. If you don't receive it, is it yours? No. Man, Sophie's offering you this gift and you don't receive it and you're like, ah, I don't care. She'll offer it to me next year. She'll offer it to me. No, dude, is there, you know what? There might be a a shelf life on that gift, right? Yeah, you just keep rejecting my gifts, dude. All right, cool, I know what you want. You don't want me, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you take the gift. 
from God. That's what we're talking about, Terry. <laughs> I think you already had like all kinds of discussions about, um, you know. It could be a love letter, man. It could be a love letter, bro. I just want to watch Terry Square, man. It could be a love letter. And if you don't receive it, she like gives it to you, you're getting ready to go back to college, right? This week, and you'll see her next weekend, hopefully, kind of the deal. She gives you a love letter when you leave, and you never read it. And she's like, oh, what would you think of the letter? And you're like, oh, uh, what letter? <laughs> you think you're going to get another one? <laughs> no. It's like, and God's more gracious than that. But again, you reject God. Who's that on? That's on you. And God loves you more than anyone. That's why he's given you a way to get out of Adam's family and into his. For if because one man's transgression, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. Grace, again, is a desire and ability to do what God wants us to do. Now, how much grace do you get? Andy, how much grace do you get according to that? What's the A word, y'all? Abundance. You get an ab- How much is an abundance? It depends who you're getting it from, right? All right? So if you're getting an abundance of something from somebody, it depends. How, how big is an abundance from God? How many of y'all know some stingy people in abundance is this much? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But for God, he's not stingy. He's generous, man. If he says it's an abundance, Gavin, how much is it, dude? It's more than you can handle. In fact, the grace is forgiveness for your sin. The grace is is. is However big your sin is, can you outsin God's grace? However much sin you have as a believer, as a believer in his family, however much sin you have, how much grace is available? Can you ever like, oh no, there's only this much available. I can't forgive you of that much. Is that it? No. There's an abundance. So every time you want to repent and walk with him while you're on this planet as a believer, you can there's not a grace limit. It's, un, it, 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 it's unlimited. An abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reigns. So as a believer, as you accept the grace to do what God wants you to do, you have eternal life. You have a quality of life that you don't have living in Adam. You ever notice everything we do in Adam, it dies? When we sin, the wages of sin is death. We're going to see that in Romans 6.23. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we sin, what dies? How about our, our walk with God? How about our relationships? How about the person we sinned against? Everything dies. That's why we live over here in righteousness with him. And when we realize we're living back in our old family, we come back and we ask for forgiveness and he restores us with an abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, the ability to do the right thing. It's now that's going to reign in our life instead of death, which is what the world has. And it's through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So again, is it unfair? No, it's not unfair because if God would have killed Adam right away, Adam would have died, you would have never lived. And so yes, you come into this world a sinner and you are in Adam's family and you are going to die. But do you have to stay there? Chrissy, do you have to stay in Adam's family? No, if God, you have the desire, you have the ability to come into God's family. When you get into God's family, how long are you going to be in there? Forever. Sophie, 
I call, uh, not so, uh, uh, Selma, yeah, I'm sorry, you were yawning, so it looked like Sophie, because she usually is the one yawning, but no, <laughs> sorry, man, how, how long, when you, how long ago did you come into this family? Yeah, how long are you going to be in this family? Is there anything you can ever do to be out of this family? No, not at all, and God's family is even more eternal than that. Isn't it great to have a family you can count on? A family of love, a family with a father who's perfect. I mean, your dad's, you know, Karen called him super dad, right? Is he perfect? No, he's not perfect. You said that pretty quick. <laughs> it's because you're the middle child. Uh, other one would have been a little smarter. And well, he's pretty close, but, you know, right, 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 right. But yeah, you're the middle child. No, he's not perfect. But he's pretty good, right? Your heavenly father is better than him. That's hard to believe. I'm just saying. <laughs> Use that, Terry. It'll be good. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So again, if you believe what Christ did on the cross, pays for your sins, you, then you surrender your life to him. You now have his righteousness imputed on you, and he takes your unrighteousness and all the penalties that went with that. Look at the next part, and we're almost done. <clears throat> I think we're going to the next part. For as by one man, uh, one man's disobedience to the many were made sinners, so the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. He's trying to say this in many ways. He's saying that Adam screwed up and you inherited that nature, but you don't have to stay in that family. You need to come over to God's because of what Christ did. But there is no this. You either come over or you don't in this. JJ, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin is increased, grace abounds more. So we talked before, the law is like a mirror, all right? It, it, it's like a mirror, and, and, and the mirror shows us what we're doing. Have, have you ever caught yourself doing wrong things in a mirror? <laughs> if there was a mirror on your life, uh, Gavin, when we're out playing disc golf, if there was a mirror on our life right there, would we find some ungodly things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying in our life. So the law is a mirror that shows us what we're doing. How many of you could ever be shown that you're doing something wrong? Obviously, that's what the law is. The law, law now says, so Adam and Eve had one sin. The sin was, hey, don't eat off that tree. And they ate off it and they sinned. We have a whole law. The law was never there to save us. It's to show us that we are sinners. If you want to see your life in a mirror, you will see that you violate, you trespass against God numerous times in all of that. So again, when you see something wrong in the mirror, Fernanda, did you look in the mirror today? I'll guarantee you did. You even have one of them really, does your mom have one of those like mirrors that magnifies? No, no, that's good, man. Any of y'all have one of the magnifying mirrors? Why in the world would you want to see that much? I just got to say, not you, Chrissy. I'm just saying, dude, I, I try to stay as far away from there. But you saw something wrong in the mirror, right? And, and what did you see wrong? Did you, was your hair messed up a little bit? And what did you do with, with the mirror? No, you didn't take the mirror off the wall and try to comb your hair with the mirror. JT did, but you, yeah, don't, you can't comb your hair with the mirror. The mirror just reveals what's wrong. You can't fix it with the mirror. You have to fix, find the right tool to be able to fix what you see that is wrong in the mirror. That's what this is. The law is a mirror that says, this is wrong. This is God's standard. This is, you violate it. The tool to fix it is Christ. Not focusing on, oh no, well, uh, 
Um, Serena, if, 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 uh, Sabrina, if you looked in the mirror and, and, and you just focused on the hair out of place, what would that do to you if you didn't have a tool? You just focused on all the things wrong in the mirror and you focused on the mirror and you, my hair's messed up, my makeup, my, my, this is not right. That's a, what happens if you just focused on the mirror? What would happen to you? What's that? You would get depressed. You would get discouraged. Because you're there and all you see is what's wrong, but you have no way to fix it. That's what Christ is. You say, Christ, here's what's wrong now. You fix it. I don't have it in me. That's what we're going to see in Romans coming up. You don't have it in you to do the right thing. You, don't, you have to have him to do the right thing in you. And unless you're in a relationship with him, you're going to keep doing the wrong thing because you're going to, even as a Christian, focus on the mirror, focus on the mirror, and you're going to get discouraged because, dude, I can't fix this. I have stared at this hair for 20 years and it's still sticking up. Well, now it's falling out and it's sticking up on the counter. I'm just saying. That's what happens when we focus. We've got to realize the, the law was nothing more than a mirror to show us what's wrong, but you can't fix it with the mirror. You have to see what's wrong and you have to ask Christ to fix it in your life. He wants to fix it, but he fixes it by you following, by you committing yourself and saying, God, I'm yours. I need you to fix this because it's a mess. How many of y'all think you could look in the mirror and see something wrong? How about the spiritual mirror, the Word of God? It's there to convict us, but it's also there to bring us encouragement. What if you never looked in the mirror? <laughs> JT, if you never looked in the mirror, would you ever even know there's anything wrong? No. In fact, you would have a pretty whacked out version of who you are if you never looked in the mirror. How many of y'all would look better if you never looked in the mirror? Physical mirror. How, how many of y'all in your imagination would be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, I only see this, oh, you know. Spiritually, it's the same thing if you're not in God's word. You have a false sense of security. You have a false sense of who you think you are, good or bad, as we talked about. But as you get into the word, it's a lie. He brings you encouragement where you're walking like him and brings you conviction where you're not and says, but I'm there and I will give you power and strength to fix this. To do the right thing. And when you do, you become like him. And that's a great thing. At least I hope you think so, because that's how you're going to be in heaven. It's going to be great. So the law came in to increase the trespasses. Every time you look at the law, you should be, well, dang, I did that wrong. Well, I did that. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? I keep, well, it's to draw you to the point that you need a savior. You need to change families because this family is all about trespassing against God. But where sin is increased, in other words, the more sin you see in your life, what does the next part say? Grace did what? Abounded all the more. So the more sin you see in your life, Mary, you're reading the word of God and there it is. Oh my goodness, this hair's sticking up. That hair's sticking up. When did my hair get that way? When? Whoa, what do I got on my nose? What's in my teeth? Oh my goodness. The more problems you see, the more gifts God gives you to fix it. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying here. So, so we look in the word and we see what's wrong, but where sin is increased. So he gave us the law <clears throat> to show us more of what's wrong with us. Because, dude, how many of y'all, if you had toilet paper hanging off the back of your shoe or the back of your pants, 
I ain't saying use. I'm just saying toilet paper, man. Yeah, you're walking around with toilet paper hanging off the back of your pants. How many of y'all would like somebody behind you to tell you? Yeah, if you had some green stuff hanging out on your nose that you didn't know about, how many of y'all would like somebody to tell you? Yeah, your zipper's down all day long and nobody told you. How do you like that? If you got something wrong, don't you want somebody to reveal that to you? Or do you just want to walk around? Well, everybody else got their zipper down, so it doesn't matter. No. No. That's what the law it reveals. We want it revealed to us what is wrong. Because Savannah, until we understand what's wrong, we can't do what? We can't fix it. And we don't fix it. God fixes it. And you see that? So the more thing, I can't handle it. My shoe's untied. My sock's in my shoe. I'm just imagining what you guys who wear shoes and socks feel like. And my, my, my long pants are hanging down and my underwear's all wadded up and, and my t-shirt's all sweaty and my, my other shirt is like, everywhere I look, I'm messed up. <laughs> and then we look. Again, that's, how we, that's what the word reveals sometimes. But then we go to God and say, God, your gift to straighten out, to tie my shoe, your gift to straighten out my sock, your gift, or he moves you to Florida, we don't have to wear those things anymore. But your gift fixes all of that. World's over here trying to justify and say all these things that are wrong. Well, that's the way you're supposed to wear your sock. That's the way you're supposed to wear your pants. That's the way you're supposed to do this. God says, no, no, here's the right way. And you will be better off if you do it this way. But I, as many things as you find wrong, I will give you the gift to get it fixed. That's what he said. Where sin is increased, grace abounds all the more. I'm going to give you a book that's going to show you a bunch of stuff that's wrong. Don't get depressed. Don't get discouraged. Come to me. Get me and ask me for the gift to fix it, and I will fix it. So by, for as by one man's, uh, where are we going? Oh, I did how did I do that? So that as sin reigns in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've seen this again. That's what he keeps saying. So one man brought sin into the world and we're all born. We are not coming into this world pristine and clean and perfect and we get soiled by the world and therefore can unsoil ourselves. And that's not Christianity. It might be some other religions, but it's a false religion that Satan has set up to get us to be self-righteous, to be able to fix ourselves when in reality we see that we are lost, we are depraved, there's nothing in us that's good and the only one who can help us is Christ. Don't get it backwards. And once we give our life to Christ, we live this life for him, becoming more and more like him in his power. But one day we're going to be just like him forever in heaven. That's the message in there. So don't get it backwards. We didn't come into this world innocent and clean and then got dirty. Did your, my wife tell you to change that? She told me last night, she said, I said got dirty. But you came into this world condemned and dirty, needing to be cleaned by Christ. He's the only one that could clean you. We were born into this world with a death sentence because we are related to Adam. So to receive eternal life, you must be born again so that you can be related to Christ. Here's how you get born again. You got my last verse? So check this out. Whether it's you that needs to be born again or it's somebody else that needs to be born again, and by the way, y'all, uh, Tiny, y'all been going out with Steve and sharing the gospel. 
I, I know you guys were asking, um, you know, uh, Sue and Joanne, you all were asking about going with Steve and being able to go downtown Stewart and share the gospel. Steve, you hook up with Steve Carswell. You don't have to, but he goes out and they share the gospel all the time. You go out with them and you get comfortable learning what they're doing. And then, and then you're comfortable sharing the gospel yourself. Satan would love nothing more than to make you afraid to share the gospel. But the gospel is simple. If you know what got you saved, you know what will get other people saved. And that's Christ. But you want to go do that with Steve and them? It's a pretty cool thing. So to be born again, listen to this. To be born again, you've got to believe that you need to be born again. Someone who doesn't need, believe they need to be saved, don't believe they need to be born again. Somebody, somebody who's over here and they bought the world's lie and they don't believe it, they're not. If, like Chuck doesn't believe he needs this chair. <laughs> you get my point. If someone doesn't believe they need it, then they're not going to receive it. No one's going to go get chemo unless they think it's going to cure their cancer, right? You don't just go get chemo because, oh, that's a cool thing to do. No, you realize it's, it's for something. It's the same thing about being lost. In order to be saved, you got to know that you need to be saved. I had a friend of mine up in Jacksonville that used to do this. He loved sharing the gospel. You know what you do, Sean? He'd go knock on doors, and he would say, is the Spirit of God working in your life today? And some people would go, what? And he's like, okay. Well, he'd give him a track or give him his card. If the Spirit of God's ever working in your life, give me a shout. And he'd walk off. <laughs> Sometimes he had the people call back. He'd go, is the Spirit of God working in your life today? And sometimes people would go like, well, something is. I'm not sure. And he said, well, can I sit down and talk with you? Sometimes people would be like, oh, my goodness, yes. I was praying, God, I, I need help and I need somebody. And boom. So he got to talk to people who were ready to hear the gospel. He wasn't trying to force feed somebody who didn't want anything to do with it. And again, I'm not saying that's what you do, but understand there's people out there that need to get out of Adam's family and they need to get into God's family. They need to be, quit being Adamites and become Christians, and God's left you to do that. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time he used you to do that? So to be born again, you must believe that you need to be saved. You must believe that Christ is the only one who can save you. And where do we get that from? Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way, and if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, then you're not going to share that. Well, that's awful narrow mind. No, that's Christianity. That's Christ. That's why to have a one-world religion at the end of this world, whenever the Antichrist comes, we're going to have a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. The only thing keeping religion from being one world is Christ. They got to get rid of Christ for Christianity to fit in the one-world religion. Christ is Christ. It's all about Christ. Believe that Christ is the only one who can save you. And then when you believe that he's the only one, you surrender yourself to him. So you got to show people that salvation is needed, it's been provided, and they got accepted. It's as simple as that. But don't be afraid to share. Because eternity is a long time. This life that we're trying to save some reputation, same, try to do whatever, that's this life. Eternity is the rest of all of this. And that isn't even close. We've been left here to help people jump ship from Adam's family to Christ's family. So number one, make sure that you have jumped ship, truly. Don't be part of the Matthew chapter 7 church. Make sure that you know what team you're on because you love Christ. And when you're there, you love Christ who cause you to love others and you share it with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. And I pray that you would... 
just reveal that love to us even greater today than ever. Father, help us to get rid of any false theology we have that we are somehow clean and pure and we just got tainted by this world and need you to wash us up a little bit and help us to really realize when we came in this world, we were depraved. We were in Adam's family. The consequence of sin is death. We might not have chosen to be in Adam's family, but you chose it that way so that we could then be born again and become part of Christ's family, never to be part of Adam's family again. Father, I pray that you would help us to get that and fall more in love with you, realizing what you did to make it possible for us to be in your family. And the fact that no matter what, you love us and we're going to stay in your family. We can't get kicked out. Father, help us to experience the full joy of being in your family. And I pray if there's somebody here, maybe confused, maybe wondering whether they're really in your family or not, today they would settle it. They would surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. Father, cause them to fall in love with you. And Father, as we fall in love with you, we fall in love with others. And we want nothing more than to share how they can get out of Adam's family and get into yours. Help us get rid of this hell-bent religious idea that everybody's worshiping the same God. Whether it's Allah, Buddha, whoever, whatever, help us to realize that you, Christ, said you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through you. Everyone's head on fire who's never given their life to Christ. And everyone who has given their life to Christ has a bucket of water. Help us walk around with that bucket ready to quench the fire by sharing the gospel. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name, amen.